0: No Live from the manic end, or the, maybe the depressive end of Manic Monday, this is No Challenges Remaining from Wimbledon. We are at court 14 this time, scaling down somewhat. From our grandeur of our pre-tournament. We like the outer courts. Yeah, you it's know. fine,
1: you know. Wherever they put us, we, we go.
0: Well, that's kind of the motto of the day. Like, <laughs> I don't care what court I'm on, I'm just going to play with my match. But I was surprised what court I was on, <laughs> but I'm just going to play.
1: That's pretty. Yeah, that summed it up.
0: I'm Ben Rothenberg. She's Courtney Nguyen. Courtney, you're. let's start with just Manning Monday. We'll look back a little bit further in the for the whole first week, which we didn't do a show after because we think it was low-key uneventful. And then we'll look ahead. But let's we'll start with just today. Biggest takeaway from just another manic Monday?
1: Just another manic Monday. Well, it ended manically. Um, just with uh, Rafael Nadal and Gilles Muller, and and Gilles Muller doing doing what Gilles Muller kind of does every once in a while. I mean, it was it was it was great. I mean, it was a, a great final set um, of just a battle of nerves. I don't think the tennis was all that great. It was impressive, like to see it. The tennis was like done under high-pressure circumstances. You know what I mean? Right.
0: I think the tennis, like, this is going to sound mean, but I, it's, I'm it's, i trying to damn with faint praise a little bit. Maybe it is mean. But I think the tennis stayed really adequate. Like, they were both playing just kind sure. of just as well as they needed to do to keep holding. Yeah. not They weren't really excelling beyond that. There were very few easy holds. They made each other work for their holds, especially down the stretch. And seeing each of them, like, refuse to blink was impressive because, I mean, I mean, for both of them, gosh, it would be easy to check out of that match. At certain points, you get to double digits in the fifth set in a lot of ways, you know, with, you know, Muller having had, I think, four match points before he finally converted, and Rafa, knowing he's up against a big serve and volleyer and a big server on grass, and maybe his knees are hurting him or feels like he can't get low, although I think the grass this year actually played really well to Rafa's strengths because it wasn't staying as low and slick as it has most years with it being so dry and hot, um, but yeah, that was, that was a good match, I'm not surprised Rafa's out, I, I said that in the draw show, I didn't think, I thought he'd lose a catch off, if you'll remember, and i was fully wrong on that one catching off was not really a threat whatsoever in that match uh, but Mueller was easy to circle Mueller was a guy who got a huge bump from the grass court seating formula that the men get and i think 10 spots from 26 to 16 and, and he's just a, a guy who we know is we, he is who we thought he was and he did not let roth off the hook and oh, yeah, and, yeah and, and so it's it's not a shock
1: no not a shock at all i mean you know i mean I, well last night we were all at dinner and I think I, I walked in and you guys were all like talking about something, but you said, you know, if, if you had to absolutely had to pick one of the big four to go out today, who would it be? And after much mulling it over, huh? Um, I oh. did, I did, I did go with Rafa only because of the matchup and, and only because, I mean, granted the other three matchups. I were went confidently exactly. with Rafa in this question. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, yeah, I mean, that's one where Muller gets hot and, and that's, you know, really what he did. He played two great sets. Rafa did not play well. And, um, on the whole, was able to force that fifth, which was great. And um, you know, it was just really, really impressive to see Muller not fold. I didn't think that Rafa was ever going to fold. Like you talk about, like oh, they'd check out. I never would have thought. I never thought that Rafa was going to check out. But just kind of seeing Muller continually, you know, miss, you know, miss those opportunities on, on on the match points. You know, he was serving ahead, from ahead, which is which is obviously a uh, a more advantageous position late like that. Yeah, definitely. So that's helpful. But um, but yeah, I mean it was really it was a really nice win for him, and and it just reminded me of when he won Sydney, and it was just such an incredibly emotional win for him, uh, winning his ATP title there. His sons first were there. First ever ATP title, yeah, late in his career, yeah. yeah, you know, and he's playing well in 2017, and, and that's uh, that's really something cool to see. And um, it sucks for Rafa. I know everybody was obviously hoping for the eventual possible uh, Rafa and Fed final, but uh, so we won't get that. But, um, but hey, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take your, your hat off or headband off uh, to uh, Gilles Muller. That was, that was a heck of an effort and it was really cool.
0: It was a hat today, I think. Can you um, discuss, okay, maybe it switched up. Uh, can you discuss why, I think you'll do a much better job articulating this, even though I agree with it completely, why Gilles Muller is so dad.
1: He's so dad, and somebody like, like, cause you brought up the or somebody brought up the whole minivan. I was my line. Yeah, it yeah. was your line, and somebody wrote back. He's like, he's more of like a sedan dad, and I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. He's definitely like a gold Camry guy.
0: Hatchback. Yeah,
1: no, not hatchback. I mean, a he, gold he needs Camry, the big right. Camry to to bring the kids around, but like not so pragmatic and given up with his life completely to, as to to drive the minivan. Um, but no, he's just there was just something about him that seemed incredibly calm. Like, he'd been here before, that he wasn't too, like, worried. It was like a very dad vibe. You know, dads are—I don't know. Maybe your dad's—I don't know. Everybody's dad's (laughs) different. My dad is very, like—and hi, Dad, because I know he'll listen to this— but he's like a super chill dude. Like nothing phases right. my father. Like nothing. It doesn't matter what it is, and he always has some rational response to things and it's very infuriating sometimes, but he's very rarely wrong about it. And um and yeah, so that was kind of the dad vibe that I was getting from him. Uh, you know, the, 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 the hair pattern also kind oh, of yeah. you know, gives that a little bit
0: endearing hair and, pattern. You know,
1: throwback way that he plays and kind of the you know,
0: old looking Tikini clothes, like he wears his yeah. clothes that look pretty retro and stuff, and yeah. He has a Luxembourg patch on his sleeve, which is from Luxembourg, which seems very old. I mean, no one's from Luxembourg anymore. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and you so, know, yeah. there's
1: just a, there's just a throwback vibe to him. Um, in like not a borgy way, but in like a just a dad way. Like a, a guy who grew up watching tennis in the seventies <laughs> right. and still loves it.
0: Which is very different <laughs> from like people who like reply on twitter like dad it's not that kind of no it's not because i
1: say that with roger when he does something like kind of like (laughs) stupid dorky and she you know like dad like you know like whatever but like Mueller didn't have that it just was he just gave off mega dad vibes like he was like i got this i'm under control i don't know if it'll work out you know like how dad's like you know put on the tool belt and they're like i don't know i guess i'll try and fix this thing and somehow they do that was that was jules muller today that was his vibe
0: dad strength and so yeah mueller has (laughs) been in slam quarters before a couple times i think twice at the u.s open yeah. off the top of my head he obviously famously beat andy roddick he took andy roddick's mojo, mojo. <laughs> and i think he made it back uh several years after that i think he like davidenko is somewhere in this yeah. scenario i don't remember exactly. it's been a while um i think that was the match obviously the match of the fourth round but overall it was a pretty good day and i think a lot of the women's matches frustratingly which are put all put together so you wind up missing so many of them mm. i think because i think None of them had finished by the time the center court matches started. So I think at one point there were six women's matches simultaneously, which is tough. Like, I didn't get to see any of, like, to make the most extreme example, I would have sat and watched every ball of Mardich yes. versus Rabarakova if I'd had the chance. And it was
1: epic, too. I mean, Rabarakova yeah. coming back, you know, was down quite a bit, down a break in the first set. And I was live blogging one match, but obviously keep paying attention to everything that was going on. Which one were you live blogging? I was live blogging the, uh, the first match out on number two court, which oh, was, was Kerber Muguruza, yeah, which pick. was fantastic. Um, and then i was live vlogging the match immediately after that which was halop and azarenka which was probably was which was a compelling first set um until azarenka kind of went away a little bit and and Halep got, took full control of the second set but um but yeah no it was a good slate of matches today there was drama kind of weird you know in every single one of the matches except for the one match where you thought that the one player who tends to kind of be the unreliable one, she cruised, which was Svetlana Kuznetsova, yeah. who who made it through and took care of Agnieszka Ardvonska And Now 14-4 against Aga, but other than that, I mean, the Muguruza Kerber match was just fantastic, and it just reminded me how much I love that rivalry, right. a rivalry that was so um, a defining rivalry of 2015. You kind of wonder what Kerber's season or, you know, year would have looked like in 2015, if not for Muguruza, um, just because eventually 2016, she never played Muguruza. She up, went, ended up winning two slams. coming and like, one, yeah. You know, becoming number one in everything. And Muguruza was a big stopper for her when she was playing really well in the latter half of the 2015 season. So um, it was great. It was a great win for Garbina, um, saving all those match points in the third set and, and, and holding in this, like, 10-minute lengthy game. Um, and really was able to turn the tide and break Kerber at the end for it but um, it was one of those matches like where I was bummed for whoever was going to lose the match but the way that that match played out the result actually works I think for both players because I think that Muguruza needed the win like anything short of the win would have been really really gut wrenching for her and it was very
0: winnable and it was
1: very winnable whereas with Kerber she didn't necessarily need the win. I mean, it would have been great. It would have obviously prolonged her 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 uh, stint at number one. She will lose it tomorrow, regardless of any of, of what happens tomorrow
0: or mon- next a week on Monday. You mean? Well, yes, but
1: yeah. tomorrow we will know who, who number it. one is next Monday. Right. Um, unless the matches get rained off, uh, which they won't,
0: because although, cause, yeah, because Kanta helps in center. so they'll play. yeah
1: they'll they'll play. Um, so if Simona wins, she's number one. If she loses, Pliska was number one. But, um, but I felt like, you know, Angie played the best match of her entire season against Muguruza. She's had actually a really good tournament here. She really had to fight and battle to beat Shelby Rogers. You know, there's a lot to like about the way that Kerber was playing her tennis, both physically and mentally and tactically. Um, her forehand on the line finally made its first appearance um, hmm. seven months into the season against Muguruza, which was awesome to see. Um, so I feel like she'll leave and be in a good position to make an attack on the hard court. So I, that's where she needs. to. I leave. think
0: so too. And I think that Kerber, um, players, a lot of people ask sometimes that the women, especially maybe Andy Murray got it a little bit this year, like questions that are tinged, like would it be a relief if you weren't number one, if there were less pressure? No. Like just, I just sort of reject that premise altogether. Everyone from Wozniacki to, you know, Kerber now, the two I've been around for who've been sort of struggling number ones, prolonged, prolongedly. Um, they want to be number one as long as possible. They'd rather be a struggling number one than a surging number two in a lot of ways. Because you just, and also there's also crudely, you know, plenty of financial incentives, yeah. bonuses you get for every week you're at number one. So they like being a number one. That said, I think this was Kerber's, I think Kerber's had overstayed what made sense at number one just based on her results in 2017. I mean, she, with this loss, falls to 0-9 against top 20 this year. And that, I'm sorry, you just can't have that stat and still be number one at, over, after a certain point. Um, and, but I do think hopefully she takes the momentum, she, some sort of moral victories from pushing Muguruza, a great player who could win this tournament, 6-4 yeah. uh, to in, the, in the third, um, and resets. and She's going to play, uh, you know, her normal hardcourt schedule in the U.S. and that should be a good time of year for her. She'll be going as defending champion in New York, which I think people completely forget that she won that tournament. Here's the
1: thing. And and this is getting to your whole number one discussion about Kerber. It drives me absolutely mad that people just willfully... Have this short-term memory and forget what an absurdly good season Anjali Kerber had in 2016. Two-time two two Slam champions beat Serena in the final at the Australian Open. You know, wins the U.S. Open, uh, final Olympic silver final here, Olympic silver medalist, WTA Finals finalist. Like in addition to what was she was 12 and four against the top 10, most top 10 wins of anybody on tour last year. in a
0: Cincy final.
1: Cincy final as well. I mean, uh, Brisbane final. Um, she was absurd last season. So this all like, oh, she's not a number one. It's like, okay, yeah, she's gonna lose it, obviously. And yes, her two thousand seventeen season has been not ideal for her. Disappointing. But yeah. Disappointing. But for a lot of the time that she was number one, she was the one that had the slam plus a final on her. You
0: could not. You could not knock shit about her ascending number one when she did at the U.S. Open last year. Oh, absolutely not. She yeah. was clearly
1: the world number one. Absolutely. Now, now, world number one can, and it's okay, you guys, we can make this distinction. We can say that somebody is the world number one because that is a mathematical calculation as opposed to who you think is the best player in the world. Right. We Those to be, are two We want
0: it to be predictive, and it's not always. And that can be, I understand the, you know, dissent and complaint and, you know, eyebrow raising when that happens. Because it is used for seeding at tournaments, and I think seeding is should be predictive on some level. That's why they have seeding. Okay, but
1: it's not it's not Kerber's fault. It's I'm, not the system. No. I'm not I'm not I'm not yeah. yelling at you. I'm just saying, um, it's not Kerber's fault. It's not the system's fault. It is the fault of the people who don't get the points. And
0: it's also we are also at a in terms of points at the top. It is like a historic low tide right, in WTA Serena right now. Right, with Serena, chunk, with Serena winning a bunch and not playing. I mean, Serena this. Going into Wimbledon, she's going to drop out of the top 10 after Wimbledon when her Wimbledon title points uh, come off. And she'll be down to like number 15 or something. But she's number four this week with, I think, off the top of my head, two, four tournaments counting towards her ranking. Wimbledon, U.S. Open, Auckland, which was a second round loss to Madison Brengle and Australian Open. Yeah. That's amazing. That's just bizarre that somebody could hoard that many points with barely playing and take up those, you know. Well, two, that would have been that, two
1: slams to her name. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's absurd. But when two of and those a semi, are majors and, yeah. a, and a se- I mean, that's, you know, no. It, so you, it, you we're at, we're we're at a
0: weird point. And so whoever gets it, whoever we find out gets it tomorrow, whether it's Halep or Pliskova, I'm guessing it'll be Halep at this point. Halep was very impressive to me yeah, uh, today know. against. It's uh, 50-50 um, 50-50. Yeah, it's a 50 50 match. She was very impressive against Vika. Another match that I didn't get to see a lot of because it was going on at the same time as other stuff. But um, the parts I did see, she was impressive and playing Kanta it'll be tough. So
1: Kanta on grass is what concerns me. Kanta is serving incredibly well at this tournament. I was going through some of the stats over the over the um, earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, and just she's she's right up there in terms of the, the players who are remaining like basically top 5 in like every single service statistic. Yeah. Um It's and... been the
0: story of her rise. Right, on, exactly. On, on the it's, unwritten all, story. it's
1: all it's all her serve and not all but but it's really been a massive boon for her and you know it's interesting that they run up again because the Kanta Halep rivalry has really defined Simona Halep's 2017 obviously the big match in in Miami which uh, Halep says she basically kind of choked away and that spurred on the whole split and then you know her performance
0: around the world with
1: with Cahill and then her performance of getting her, her, her revenge uh, on Conta at Fed Cup uh, a, a, you know, a few weeks later. Which was really, a whole thing. Which yeah. was a whole thing in and of itself, which I can rant about, but I won't yet. Um, not the thing, but the thing that I was DMing about earlier. I
0: can just feel free to rant now. If you well, want. okay. It's going to get covered a lot in British yeah, press. So, so the, minute that,
1: the minute that the of Conta thing was set up, I was th- sitting there at my desk. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to relitigate Fed Cup all over again, aren't we? So sure enough, both women get asked a lot of questions about that weekend. And the question that was posed to Simona Hallep was like, you know, basically, did you feel for Joe? Did you apologize? Did you feel for Joe and what she, you know, was experiencing?
0: For those who don't remember, Joe Conta left the court crying mid match, second set, I think, against Kirstea. Yes. And saying there had been sort of harassment or, or you know, crude remarks or, or threats or something from the crowd. Mature from the crowd, she left in tears. Uh, In addition Na- to being Those was are two being, different yeah, things. Yeah. So, and Nastasi was berating her and the uh, uh, British and captain Jonathan and Keathevong. And the match was suspended for a while. It was a very odd scene. Um, yeah.
1: Right. So, um, so you know, the question was asked to Simona. And Simona said, yeah, no, I apologized to her that day. You know, just kind of said, like, sorry, you felt that way. Simona said, I think the crowd was fair. Now, you have to understand what the crowd did and what Nastasi did are two separate things they get conflated but they, they happen simultaneously yeah. they happen simultaneously but they're two separate things and Hallep has always said and whether people agree or not it's up to them I've talked to people that were there that day and they most of them including some of the bricks um who were there covering it uh said that it, the crowd wasn't that bad it went for a fed cup crowd like not, they, nobody heard anything necessarily but um but again so Simona said you know I don't think that the crowd was that bad but other things obviously did happen a veiled yep. reference to Nastasi, and she said but she but content but joe knows how she felt so and that's it I, i'm not going to comment on it anymore and then conta comes into press like 30 minutes later and the question that's posed to her includes like a sentence in it that's like you know earlier simona was asked um about about that weekend and it's fair to say she was not empathetic to what you were going through and i just you can just and i know that this happens but like Don't do that. Don't misrepresent what a player said, in order to create and and represent it to another player, in order to create discord, in order to get a reaction. And obviously, it's a very naive thing for me to request that reporters not do, but like don't. Especially here. Especially here, but just don't. And it was it really pissed me off. Like seeing that I'm like, dude, like, come on, that's not what Simona said. That's not even her reaction. Anyways, it's all going to get relitigated. You'll see all of the footage and the discussion, I'm sure, on BBC and ESPN if, during those matches. There's nothing between those two, like Simona said. She's like, I didn't play there. against no. Joe. There was no problem. And
0: Maybe there's those with Kirstea in context. That was her opponent during that match. And Kirstea was, Kirsteia I think... was
1: far more vocal yeah. about, about being unsympathetic at the time. Yeah. But, like, in Stuttgart, all the Brits were obviously in Stuttgart. And they asked you know Halep a lot of questions there, too. And, and she said... Joe and I flew on the same plane here. We're fine. Like, you know, like, there's nothing between us. And and Conte said the same thing. So it's all going to get relitigated again. It's all going to, in an attempt to create, like, tension or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it's a frustrating thing because it should just be about the tennis.
0: So let's go a bit to the tennis now. The other quarterfinals uh, that are being set up. Also, The other one on the bottom half is Venus. Versus Elena Ospanko, Alyona, Yelena, Alyona. Al- Ali Penko, as you call her. Which Ali-
1: I-, I was, I was. There was a debate in in my WTA like thread um, uh-huh. on Skype where we should go with Ali Penko or Ali Openko <laughs>
0: <laughs> with with an apostrophe, like, like, like Baba O'Reilly. <laughs> I think you can't lose. Honestly, Ali Openko is pretty great. It's though. pretty good, though. Right? Um, that's Rolls pretty. Off the that's pretty good. Um, if you guys are confused read my story and you'll remain confused, but at least you'll have some more background on on her name.
1: I'm trying to actually get used to calling her Alona in in, in person. In person, yeah. Uh, Because if she says that that's what I prefer, then it's like, She says, if
0: you know that I like to be called Alona, call me Alona. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Although she hasn't, at this point, says she doesn't want to change her name on on official tour documents. Fair enough. Um, Because, and it's not what, I think, I don't know if on tour, which I remember the discussion of when, uh, there was that whole ruse or whatever about Sharapova. Change your name to Sugarpova. <laughs> uh, um, but I think it does have to match your that passport. Well, that well-reported le- story. <laughs> uh, your legal name, yeah. Oh, that was a fun time.
1: No, CC Bellis. CeCe Bellis is officially CeCe Bellis now on the W. Oh, yeah she, yeah, she changed that. They, she changed that. They filed She, the she told me in Mallorca that she was changing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they filed the paperwork. Yeah.
0: So. Um, but anyway, so that match is happening. Venus has cruised. I, well, not, well, not completely cruised. I mean, she had a tough match against uh, Wang Chung. Yeah. Second round? Yeah. Um, which, like at the French, so that's a known sort of tough opponent for her, but she got through it, and she was very she was convinced. down
1: against Naomi in Osaka, and that's was able true. To, to reel that one yeah. back, but straight sets.
0: Yeah, but very, very uh, convincing win for her today against mm-hmm. Anna Kanya, Uh who's not a completely dissimilar player to, I mean, I is a, a very different player from most people, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> although she'll tell you she's no Georgie, who is her, who is her third <laughs> round opponent, uh, but yeah, so... Venus and, and Penko we circled this one sort of when the draw came out mm-hmm. like, this is two people we saw colliding Penko has done a great job that's how you avoid Liana you know, versus Alona just call her Penko um has done a great job backing up her uh French Open win this is the best follow up slam that anybody's had after their maiden slam title on the women's side since Kleisters. '05. <laughs> 05 a US Open followed up with an 06 uh Aussie semi that year she got hurt in that semi against um Maresmo. um this I, I it's I think it's kinda I think Venus should win, but it's coin flipish, and Penko don't lose no more.
1: Penko, what is it? Eleven straight slam matches that she has won. Yeah. Now two of the last two, she finally snapped. And her a lot eight. with
0: close margins too. Yeah, yeah. and, and you know, know,
1: she she at one point had played eight straight three setters, had won seven of them, finally snapped that with a straight set win over Georgie, and then follows it up with a straight set win over Lina Fidalina. Um You know, needed eight match points to do it, but got there in the end.
0: And I will say on Penko, just just wrapping up her week, her match, she was flat out bad against Francois Zabanda in that second round. And she had every right to go home. She wasn't great against
1: Sasnovich either. Yeah,
0: but she, that was a very up and down match. I think she was like 6 love, 1-6. Yeah, yeah. so Mm -hmm. she's fought well. And just like, it's bizarre watching her because it all looks like just rolling the dice, like coin flip tennis a lot of times. Uh, just hit the ball hard near the line and it'll go, it'll go in or it won't. And you see like the 50-50 ratio more or less on her winners and enforced errors kind of reflect that pretty much every match, more or less close to that. Uh, I think it was a little under that significantly against Abanda, but she got through it. But I think she does just a little bit, maybe indiscernibly, tighten things up a little bit in the tight moments, plays a little slightly more margin, uh, but still is herself. And, and that can be dangerous. I mean, like she is somebody who... At the French Open, too, didn't seem cluttered or polluted with, you know, thoughts that were like, oh, my God, I, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not my time. Like, I'm it's too soon. She was just kind of like swinging away, doing her thing. And, yeah.
1: And that's what she does. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting to hear other players try to break her down. And, and, you know, and they always kind of say pretty much the exact same thing, which is that, you know, she's riding a wave of confidence. And Halep had a really good line about her today saying, you know. She's full of confidence, a lot of confidence. And when you have confidence, when you play that game and you have confidence, you can't be stopped. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when Petra's full of confidence. It's like, what are you going to do? Yeah.
0: Right? We've, like, we, it's it, We've seen this a lot over Tenant sister. I mean, I would mm-hmm. point back even to, like, Aravind Razai. Oh, yeah. I think it's a pretty similar player to how Penko plays. And when she got hot, she was amazing. I mean, she won Madrid one year. Yeah out of nowhere just because she got hot and was swinging away and it worked yeah and And then when you lose confidence it's gonna be real bad right i mean you know
1: sometimes with you get the sense sometimes talking to the players who lose to yelena ostapenko that it's not tennis it's penalty kicks you know Mm. that that there's a little bit of goaltending that you're kind of playing you know and 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 you're just kind of no matter what you do you feel like you're in a position where you don't have a ton of control and you know you even when you try, I mean, again, Chinsky tried, I, I still think that Tomeo is kind of the perfect player to unwind a player like, uh, Il, uh Alonia, uh, Ostapenko, um, Allie P. Um, but, uh, <laughs> there's so much you can do with that once you go Allie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, she stood up to it. And, and again, Halep, you know, didn't have the variety that day, but I don't know. So, uh, it's such a coin flip match to me, Venus and Ostapenko, because am I really in a position to bet against Yelena Ostapenko right now? I'm right. Not exactly. sure. But then again, I'm not really in a position to bet against Venus either. I mean, we know how good she is, and how good, and what she, what Venus might end up doing actually is not dissimilar to what she did to uh, Coco yeah. in the Australian Open semifinal, which like, is that she didn't try to out hit her.
0: Yeah, she actually like counterpunched. She
1: counterpunched her.
0: Yeah. Let's get right to Coco. Coco is in the top half quarterfinal in a low-key fascinating quarterfinal matchup against Rabarakova, who um, she lost to first round of the French Open, and afterwards said she didn't know anything about her, which I looked at their head-to-head today, just to double-checking where the score was, and a second match popped up, which I hadn't realized had happened. She had played uh, Rybarakova in 2011 in Birmingham before. And apparently, I had no memory of that one either, well, which is fair. It's six years ago. But, like,
1: players are not under oath yeah. when they're doing their press conferences. They don't know. They don't know. I think they're she's not, not, I'm not. I'm
0: not saying, you know, it's like, you know, willful omission. I just, I just I'm just saying that so she's 0 and 2 against her now. Uh, both of them should love grass in very different ways it helps both of them. Kova, we talked about on the draw show, uh, had been a great grass court player without any Wimbledon results to her name. And part of that was tough draws. And part of and a couple of the times where she maybe didn't take advantage, she's taken full advantage here and is living her best life it's it's a very sort of you know how magda got her groove back type <laughs> move i see a poster happen just you know she's Love here and things are happening for her uh she beat obviously caroline puskova second round on center court crowd was loving her um and, and credit to caroline puskova who i'm like coco with the french saw the coming from a mile away, said it was going to be the toughest second round she ever had, which is sound like an overstatement, but it turned out to maybe be true. Um, I did say on the yeah. draw
1: show, Watch out for Barakova. Yeah, yeah, you
0: did. And just like the whole Wimbledon logic, Chestnut didn't hold up this time for in terms of why she wouldn't succeed. Uh, but I, I have to say, yeah. though,
1: for, for of all the performances in the, through into the quarterfinals, there has been no performance that left me kind of like stunned than Rabarkovas against Pliskova. Yeah. I think that was a, the best single match performance of anybody so far on the women's side. Um, it was just thrilling in the way that she played that third set. I mean, it was it was awesome. She was running down everything. She has, you know, and she has that great combination of she's, well, no, that I, I was going to say she's Vinci with a serve, but it, it's it's not that because she can hit flatter. She can hit, but she she knows how to use that slice. I she knows, reminds me of
0: Perankova. In yeah, terms, in terms of a... grass acumen, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good allegory. Yeah, probably yeah. might be a little faster, but I think Murbarkov is a better serve. The serve um, has really <coughs> been awesome, uh, yeah.
1: you know, during the tournament. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm looking forward to all of these quarterfinals. But um, yeah, the yeah. last the
0: last one is Muguruza versus Kuznetsova. Weirdly, even though it's like the two biggest names, probably one I'm least hyped about. <laughs> um, I think Muguruza should get through it. And we've just seen Sveta just kind of underperform at the sort of middle stages of the majors lately. She hasn't been to a semi of a major in a while, but, uh, Sveta. I um, can't remember the last time. Off the top of my head. It's been a while. I'm thinking. I can't think of it right now.
1: Could it it's, possibly be the French Open? That she won? Yeah. Maybe.
0: Uh, maybe. maybe. Comes mind Nothing mind comes to mind besides that. It's been a while. That's yeah, all I'm it's saying. it's yeah. So I, I, I sort of expect McGrewers to win that one. Also, there's going to be a lot of rain. This is the other story for Tuesday. Um, yeah, so those, those are the four. Um, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I can make a case for having just said what I just said, I can make a strong case for almost any of this eight except for Kuznetsova winning the title. Kuznetsova the one who I just don't... Do
1: you think Rabarakova has a better chance of winning the title than Kuznetsova?
0: Yeah, why not? I think she's just sort of like... I see her like feeling her oats in a way, you know? Let her feel her oats.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, 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 I would say that I could I could see any one of the eight. Okay. Um, and I would put Kuznetsova ahead of Rabarakova. Just because at some point I think that the magic runs out If, for, they, if those Amanda. two play each
0: other, I would actually pick Kuznesma now that I'm game planning it out. Yeah. But I, I, like, I think Mubarakova, if she draws Muguruza in the semis, could that could be a good matchup for her. I think she could really annoy the crap out of Muguruza. She's the unknown
1: Muburuza. quantity, you yeah. know? I mean, at the end of the day, you see this so much with these players is that, especially the top players, when they play each other, they're like locked in because they, they know... know what to expect, and you see you, you see something that's very familiar, and, and 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 but when you throw in the unknown quantity, that's when you know these players kind of like lose their bearings a little bit.
0: See also Alona Ostapenko. See also French Open 2017. Bob O'Reilly. Onto the <laughs> it's a good outro pick yeah. already for us. <laughs> uh, onto the dudes. Uh, Andy Murray got through to this quarterfinal. Uh, he's done done really well. I mean, he's not uh, at full health.
1: Ambient
0: sound. It's a forklift. Wonder what it's lifting this time of night. Uh, could be anything. Could be. Could be Adrian Manorino waiting by the, pre- the match test, hoping to get called sometime. It's like nobody told me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so Murray will play in the quarterfinals. He beat today. Uh, Pair Benoit. Benoit Pair, who actually put, who gave him a pretty decent fight. Uh, Murray faces off against. Um, oh no, I'm blanking. Do 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 uh he'll play uh sam query sam query backing up his quarterfinal <laughs> you seem surprised <laughs> I didn't to see know this Courtney, <laughs> <laughs> Courtney's Ke- face is very surprised.
1: <laughs> i thought kevin anderson won i was oh. tracking the match and then i stopped tracking the match and then i just completely forgot and i just i don't know why i thought <laughs> kevin anderson won
0: there's a really sam query is 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 low key social media gold for someone who doesn't like have very many active accounts himself uh Oleg on Twitter tweeted a GIF that was from a weird GQ video that Sam did last mm-hmm. year. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. Of Sam, like, quietly reading a book and just, like, smiling. <laughs> and the, the caption was like, when you defend your quarterfinal points. <laughs> it was all very odd, but I, I was into it. And Sam Quarry, uh, playing very solid. Not an unwinnable match for Sam query I mean, it's, it's one of those ones... Best case scenario, he gets into sort of a a, a Nadal contest. Where he zones into a and he grips contest. And rips. Right, although he's he's uh, Murray beat him in Australia this year, I think third round. Um, and Murray's just not going to let him grip and rip. Right, he's going to junk. He, not Murray junk him, but he's, he's going to move him around. Right, so. Murray and Murray's more acclimated to that than the others. Uh, the other quarterfinal we have in here is now Mueller versus Chilich. I think Chilich should make the final, sort of on the draw show pre-tournament, yeah. and I, I stand by that. I think Chilich should be able to get through Mueller pretty routinely. Uh, and then Chilich versus Murray can go. I, I expect Murray well now that Murray's in this I didn't think he'd make it this far. Now that he has, I think he'll keep going, but it should be should be something. Um we talked about Muller versus Nadal. Chilich has had an uneventful first week really rolling almost entirely. I don't think he dropped a set yet. No, he dropped nah nope, no set's dropped for for Marin Chilich. Uh then Milos Ronic beat uh Sacha Zverev in five and I <laughs> like the quote that our uh, friend Petra Philipson tweeted yeah. from Zverev's uh, uh, presser. I don't know if it's a German or English part, but uh, Zverev said, like, I, everyone tells me, you know, after all these t- matches that I lose, it's going to be a good learning experience. I'm tired of learning. <laughs> and it's true. Sasha Zverev, for all of his justified hype, and there's a lot of it. And he's very next gen. I, mean, I don't know if you heard about hashtag next gen Courtney, but they're, they're coming. Uh, I've heard. Uh, he has never made a slim quarter still. And yeah. he had a chance. And it's not I'm not saying it's a failure. I'm just saying, given that he has had very steady results everywhere else and won a Masters title, um, things aren't happening in a completely normal order. I don't think it's. I'm not saying, oh my God, you know, you know, call out the, put a tents around him and shoot him like he's a racehorse. Um, Jeez, I got dark. I know dust. I didn't mean to escalate that so much, but um, but yeah, but he's he's not getting through there. And Ronich will play Federer in the quarters. They played in the semis last year. I expect Federer to to roll him. Federer has just been so comfortable and so ahead of everybody in all his matches.
1: Yep. No, I I would agree with all of that. Um, I mean, I like, the thing that I do like about Zverev and, like, that quote is, at a time, especially, you know, I mean, hey, it's come up in this tournament where you have these young players who complain about boredom or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's motivation issues a lot of times you talk about and the reason why, a big reason why I think, like, the Dominic teams and, you know, Sasha Zverev's are, have moved to the front of the pack of that I know team's not technically hashtag next gen, but I'm just using it colloquially because right. next gen has existed before it was hashtagged. But that next gen group, they are the head of the class. And I think a lot of it has to do with ambition and work ethic and really wanting it. And steadiness. And steady steady work steadiness, ethic. Sure. Yeah. And so like to hear Sasha kind of like say like this, you know, I'm not happy that I made my first round of 16. This was not, this was not enough. I'm pissed that I lost a round each five sets. Like that's not cool. And sixth one in the fifth. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and so, um, I think that, that's a good that's a good indication there. And and again, like, you know, I the kid's good. There's no way around it.
0: Yeah, no definitely. And he'll do stuff. And Burdich beat team today, uh, to reach the quarters where he awaits the winner Aww. of Djokovic Manorino. Um, just overall with Djokovic Manorino and it, it was a big issue. Do you have any thoughts you wanna say on the scheduling today? Everything oh. that happened, because I, I was very surprised they never got that match started anywhere. And right. the Wimbledon eventually put out a statement. Saying the reason they didn't put it on center was because there are still too many people on the grounds, And they felt like there would be a stampede towards center court and it would be unsafe if they put it there. My initial response to that is, like, come on, you're Wimbledon. You should have security staff able to empty and fill your stadium. Like, you should have that there. Oh, it's
1: British people. They'd be cool. I mean, it's not like a, like a U.S. They riot. They had
0: histories of, like... Oh, has of, it been bad? Well, like yeah. in soccer. There's that famous soccer thing. Oh, well, right? yes, yes, yes. That was a long time yeah. ago, but... Um, it's still, like, kind of in the sports consciousness here. Sure. But I also, yeah, I also, like, with no disrespect to, uh, what is it, like, all disrespect to Matt Damon, whatever that joke is, like, I don't think that Beatle Manny will break out for (laughs) Djokovic-Mannarino. I just don't. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to argue with safety concerns if that's what they cite, and I'm not going to, you know, then then fair enough. Like, I can definitely, I don't think that we'd ever be in a position to, like, advocate to be like, oh, screw safety. But... (laughs) I do, though, just think it's a little bit odd because I guess, well, I guess if that's their official statement, then it wasn't what I thought it was initially, which is that they were trying to hold center in the event that they needed to move Nadal Muller to finish under the lights, like close the roof and finish, which they did with, remember, Malphys? Malphys Simon, yeah. Yeah, Simon, Um, which, Okay. Fair enough. If they're just gonna if they're just gonna say security concerns, then fine. Because initially, up until I heard the statement or read the statement like a little while ago, I was thinking that it was more that they were holding center court in the event that they needed to move Nadal Muller there to finish, which then made me think. But that seems like a bit um, not okay because you're if Nadal and Muller stand court number one and you move Djokovic Mainerino to center court, and Nadal Muller can't finish, then that's their bad. They have to come back tomorrow. But the way that it was, like I was like, you're penalizing Novak, no, yeah. and it's not, it doesn't even make sense. Like he didn't do anything; he showed up in time for his match. No. like you, you know, it's not his fault that the guys in front of him are going so long. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I,
0: I don't mind guys getting hurt for late on the tournament when they are the ones who can't close it out. Right, that's at, on you at, at twelve all on the fifth yeah. or whatever it was, and you know earlier when you're when you're geo Moller and you have a two set lead and you let the match go for an extra two and a half, three hours. That's on if you. You got to come back. You got to come back. Right, but Djokovic didn't do anything, and also he gets further hurt. Uh, not that it really I think he's going to absolutely sail past Manorino, but Manorino had played two five setters in his previous two rounds and now gets an extra day's rest, which doesn't, which if I'm Djokovic, I'm kind of a little grumbly about also. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it's, uh, it was an odd thing, but it also happens just when you start matches at only one o'clock on that court. And it's yeah. just, you just don't know. I mean, it's, t- I, I think they just sort of paint themselves into a corner with how everything works at this tournament, with people, you know, queuing. For specific court, specific players, things are a little more locked in and less fluid than they are other tournaments where people can you can like at the U.S. Open, you can move anything wherever the hell you want. People won't care. Yeah. Um, here they just they're they have less. It's more rigid. Yeah, more rigid. I mean,
1: and I think also too, yeah. y- you know, I, I absolutely obviously, as everyone knows, everyone knows my stance on this. I want equality. I want equal two two and two it should be yeah. on every court. But that being said, I think that with so much of I think the way that the scheduling does work is kind of beholden to the surface. And I think that there may be concerns about center court and number one court getting overplayed. Like if you add an additional match, then you're playing an additional like you know 8 or 9 matches on those courts and those are the final courts those are the semi you know what i mean yeah, but, and uh... that becomes a little bit problematic i'm not, i don't know i'm throwing the theory out there i'm not saying that it's true i think it's a fair but i think that it's it's a little bit worrisome if you have like ex- you know more play on those courts right than... although there
0: was only all the ma- all three matches and there were straight sets today
1: no i understand so... what can happen yeah. i'm saying worst case scenario and at the end of the day you are going if you add one more women's match you are having more play there um but and and you obviously are taking a little bit of value from the outside courts and, and you skew then the value of the grounds path, all the, you know, all these sorts of things. I mean like I just think that at the end of the day, there needs to be flexibility in, you know, just overall equality. at the there's no way that you can look at today's two sets of, of round of 16s and think that like, oh, those are equal. no.
0: women's were so much better. Women's matches were so much better and just better matchups. Yeah,
1: and and if you have, you know, people who are like, you know, oh, yeah, so it, it just... And what bothers me, and I'm sorry that I'm being kind of weird, like like trying to sort my thoughts on this, because I honestly haven't spent much time thinking about it today, because I just wasn't going to write about it, and I just was like, ugh, this whole thing again. I feel yeah. like we talk about it all the time. We talk about it at almost every tournament. I've written this like, story two of the last previous years. Yeah, three you know, years. so I'm just kind of like, look, it happens. We know this. It's not like, you know, breaking news. This always happens. But, but the broader point of it is, when we do talk about, you know, issues of equality within tennis, and we talk about, oh, well... This is what broadcasters pay for, and the men are more valuable as a commodity, and more people pay for this, more people pay for that. We can talk about the numbers all we want. Um, and, and yeah, that may be true in terms of the actual contracts. I don't think that too many people are in a position to say, like, no, like, the women have bigger broadcast contracts than the men or, or yeah. whatever. But how much of like the institutional biases within tennis, whether it's these rules of like only one woman's match on center court, that's an inherent devaluation of your women's tournament. Yeah. That's inherently sending that message. When you have an incredible order of play like we had today in terms of the women's round of 16, and you shunt them to the outer courts, you again yeah. are, are devaluing what it is, and, and institutionally you're doing it just you... by scheduling. And so it's not always about like what people want, what you don't want. If you put this product in front of people, They'll love it. They'll love it. I'm sorry. And when you and when, will and
0: also to, to go back to my old chestnut.
1: And if they don't, they're never going to. Right. So. And
0: to go back to my thing, like also when people make these conversa- when make these arguments, like oh, it's not real tennis unless it's best of five. Then you're saying essentially women's tennis can never be real tennis, which I feel bad for you because you're missing out on a lot of awesome stuff. Like if you were watching, um, pick great women's match today, um, Muguruza, Kerber, cut Kerber and you're like, man. Yeah, that match just couldn't get me there, man, because it's just, it just, you know, there's only 6-4 in the third, and I just need like at least another two hours to appreciate a sporting I still event. I
1: will never it's understand so, this logic. It's so
0: bizarrely tantric, your needs, that I think it's unhealthy, and you should examine your life.
1: I just think a final set is a final set, yeah. whether it's a fifth set or a third set. That, it's it just as tense for Kerber and Muguruza in that third set as it was for Müller and Rafa heading yeah. into extra innings. And yeah. if it would Or Kanta and Vekic. It was just as tense yeah. in that final fifth third set that went into extra innings that Kanta won ten eight, 8 yeah. as it was today. You, it just was. You
0: don't need that much foreplay. You just don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> weird
1: bedroom voice that really hammered that one home. It was kind of like chastising. Like I felt weird. I was like, "Sorry."
0: <laughs> You're being very needy right now. <laughs> <laughs> trying as hard as I can. <laughs> um we well, just stop there. Other Wimbledon thoughts besides what we've just uh, touched on. Other um,
1: Wimbledon thoughts.
0: Um Let's see. Oh, you mentioned we mentioned Tomic, actually. Let's just go to the kind of like Tomic was a big talking point. Mm. Um and you I think you covered it pretty well, but like I think what bothers me about the Tomic thing is the fine that he got for being honest. Like, okay. I I I un- yeah. I I that's get it weird. And I My, don't. I have a different take I on it. Worth, worth your, I, okay, I'll stay mine. We I mean, both, you yeah, because we
1: both have issues with it. And we're on kind of, I think, generally the same side of it. But, like, go ahead.
0: I think Tomic, I think Tomek, um, we know Tomek has issues of motivation in tennis. and There's a reason and, why
1: hashtag Bernie cares
0: right. is a thing. Because, because that's
1: breaking news. Because
0: usually he doesn't. Yeah. And usually he's clear he doesn't. Accept that. And he went out here and played a match that was not horrendous. We're, we, he was on court for a team where we're sitting right now, and he lost 4-3-4 and four to Misha Svarev, which would have, he just saw that on paper, would have been like, oh, that's a, what I kind of expect from that match. Misha's a very good grass court player. has had a great year, better than Tomek and 4-3-4, and four, okay. And then afterwards, Tomic just sort of unsolicited, really. He got asked about a medical timeout, and right away it was like, nah, I was just doing that to change momentum. I wasn't really hurt at all. It was purely tactical, <laughs> which I kind of love. Yeah. And then someone's willing to admit that. And then just goes on to say, I was feeling a little bit bored. And just sort of just like clearly just sort of trying to poke the bear. Yeah. Like clearly just trying. We've seen this with Kyrios occasionally impressed, not to this extreme degree, but where he'll just sort of say, either he'll put up a fight or he'll say, just own everything be like, yes, I'm the worst ever. And here's all the reasons why I'm awful and reprehensible. Just give people fodder. And Tomek really seemed to just keep digging. And I don't know. I don't I don't get where, unless they think it's just disrespectful to the sport to say that. I don't know. I, I find the $15,000 fine for, if he hadn't done press, he wouldn't have gotten any fines. His effort was not like that reprehensible on court. Uh, and he it is kind of funny. He if he, he, fin- bailed, and if and he, f- he bailed
1: on press, he would have gotten a $2,500 fine. Yeah. And if he finished, <laughs>
0: <laughs> more players should do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> and if he finished, um, and he finished the match on like seven other guys in the first round of the men's draw. Uh, so I don't know. I I, I think Tomic, uh I was him I would appeal that fine. I mean, yeah, I know.
1: I mean, I, I, there's two things. I actually don't. I have. A, I don't have a problem with the fine. Okay. Because if generally speaking, only because like, look, if you have a rule that says you can't put the sport in disrepute or whatever, sure. and Then that's, that's the broad, fine. Then yeah. that's the fine. Okay, fair enough. What I have more of an and, but I do think that that's problematic in so far as like, and I always say this like our sport was incredibly popular when people were popping off. And when the Borg movie comes out this summer, go watch it, go watch some of those press conferences and, or go on YouTube and find some old press conferences and the way things were like back in the day when things were salty as hell, like, and it was popular. The sport was popular and it may not be this pristine gentlemanly thing that we currently have going, but it was exciting and it was fun. And it was like, you know, spit and fire and it made you care. And it was a fun beat. But, um, but that's separate aside from it. I think that I just have a problem with the backlash against Tomek because are we really all so high and mighty that we think that we try every single day at our jobs and that we're motivated every single day of our jobs? Are we really like, really? We can't, we, the kid just wants to take a day off and he just couldn't find it now that being the okay, case so that's part of it secondly he has said he what he said is the same as what so many players have said before him and di- using different words it's the same as nick Curio saying before his you know quarter final against andy murray at the australian open like i played video games you know this morning is that the way to prepare for you know a, <clears throat> a big match nope but that's what i did you know, and, and it's like okay, he used different words, but he's kind of saying the same thing, isn't he? Like in terms yeah. of like, I didn't prepare well, I didn't do what I needed to do. Um,
0: I think we're talking. Obviously, you know this, but like I think where people found Tomic especially galling is he did it at Wimbledon. Like if you go out yeah, and but, if you go out and you say at Cincinnati, I didn't try. You know, I think especially with Tomek and you know Australia, feeling like how they do about sportsmanliness and no, I understand all the Australians and, and, and it, like, being a, a good tournament for him I mean, This is his best tournament, and so and, and Wimbledon just sort of yeah, Wimbledon is.
1: But like, how many yeah. you know? How many players have taken the court completely checked out because their girlfriends broke up with them, their boyfriends broke up with them, they had a fight, their mom is sick. They there's a bunch of different reasons why players take the court and they are just not feeling their it. Their wrist is sore. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. And so you know, I I don't I don't know I don't I don't really love that. I don't really love the attempt to kind of like so force people is okay, to though. try. Only because that's the rule, yeah. if, you know what I'm saying? Like
0: the just a general disappear right? If yeah. that's the rule,
1: then that's the rule. But that's... it
0: could be. Oh my gosh, if that's the rule, it could be enforced so much oh, well, more. Oh, absolutely. Than it
1: is. I mean, absolutely. That's. I think it's. I think it's a yeah. bit broad in terms of the the application. But um, yeah. So I mean, I'll I'll come to his defense insofar as if there's that. I mean, we know with Bernie, he's incredibly irrelevant. Uh, not, not irrelevant, but irreverent. Um, he's a little, you buffed. know. So this whole idea of like, oh, he said it at Wimbledon. Okay, people need to stop talking about Wimbledon like it's like some like hallowed. You know, untouchable, like moral guardians. Well, of the you can't say it about Wimbledon. It's like it's a tournament. It's a it's a tennis tournament, and he came,
0: Pan- and he couldn't motivate know, to what my previous And point. whatever
1: he's going through, maybe. And again, I this is the same argument that I make with Kyrgios all the time, and other players who struggle with it. Maybe they they just don't know what's going on with them, so they just say things. But like to take them at their word, and, and when they might be struggling, you know, with a variety of different things, even Djokovic right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're struggling with their focus and they don't know why and they're trying to work it out and you have to give them the space to do it. And punishing them for telling you that, honestly, is problematic. And and it forces these things, like, kind of, you know, to, I don't know, like, I don't don't love this whole idea of, like, let's make sure that everybody thinks that tennis is, like, this super easy sport and it's super fun and who wouldn't want to be a tennis professional? It's like, dude, like, If I had a kid, I would never want them to play this sport professionally. It's a tough life. I don't say that because I don't think it's a great sport. I love it and I love these kids that do it. But it's hard. Yeah. And you have to you have to respect that. And and you know, and if the kid isn't built for it, the kid's not built for it. That's okay. But just the weird kind of mightier than than higher than thou, mightier than thou, whatever. It's (laughs) like I'm really tired. But like You know, I just, I, I don't really, I don't really have much patience for it. I mean. Yep.
0: I think it's, I think it's too easy. I think ripping on Tomic is just too And I think it was a easy. slow news week, to be quite yeah. honest. Oh yeah, like, the like, like we said, it was a very, the, the two things that happened of note, Well, three, if you want to well, the retirement's the general story, the um, Tomic thing, and then the Bethany injury were the three stories, and that kind of played into court conditions, which I kind of think weren't even that bad here. I mean, like maybe 18 was a little more chewed up than others, but like. It's always it, it was drier and crunchier than usual, but it was still. It's
1: a natural surface. Yeah. There are abnormalities. Yeah. Um And that's not. And that being said, I don't think watching it. And I haven't talked to Bethany or Justin about it, but watching it, I don't think the court conditions played into. It looked like Bethany. she just sort of adjusted like last week when the ball was it coming at her. It looked like it. You know. It buckled, and she was up at the net. That's yeah. not where things are chewed up on a singles court yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, you know, it's chewed up behind the behind the court. So. You know, it, it it's tough. It's not easy. It's one of the challenges. I mean, it, it would be the equivalent of like a a, a traditional hardcore player complaining that the clay is slippery. You know, like it's like, oh yeah, it's just it's okay. You know, adjust to it. Yeah. You know, it's like those complaints with the blue clay back in Madrid. About to say. Oh, it's so slippery. It's like, yeah, okay, adjust to it.
0: Nobody got hurt on the blue clay.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Just adjust to it. It's not ideal, yeah. but you got you got to adjust to it and. You know, and, and be careful with your footing, and and it's, yeah. some players adjust to it better than others. But um, yeah, I I just kind of felt like on court because the matches were pretty straightforward in the first week. You know, outside of like the Kontevicich match was, which was the match of the tournament for the first week. It was there wasn't much going on on court. Yeah, and, and Stan so lost. Stan
0: lost with kind of a whimper. Yeah,
1: know? and so I, I just kind of feel like there were a lot of things that were focused on and um, generated controversies.
0: Generated exactly to, right
1: to 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 get hits and to get clicks and. You know, I mean, as one who's not really charged to do that, like, I stay out of the fray when it comes to anything that's clickbaity um, with respect to the work that I do for the tour. But um, it, was a, it was a quiet first week. I mean, there were days where I'm like, I don't know what that's to why write we didn't want. It was, that's why
0: we didn't want to do a yeah, show. We were so, talking about, like, what our show would be first week. And we are like, first of all, so much changes today and a lot did. I mean, obviously, yeah. several, you know, Azarenka and Kerber and could have all still been in this tournament and it would have been a very different tournament, uh, but they're not. Um yeah, it's a it's a different field, and fiddling you know. Uh, Rafa could still be Rafa in, could still obviously. Be in, right? Yeah, and we have so, so half of so, it changes, yeah, but
1: but up until today, it was pretty quiet. Yeah. I think uh, here uh, this year, um, which I'm not complaining about. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, we always say on the podcast that the girls own the first week because there's crazy upsets and yeah. calamity. And the men on the second week because of stability. Yeah,
0: and this week neither of them on the first week. No, it was in neither. Because
1: the draws pretty much held up. Yeah, which
0: it should be good finishes for both. I'm excited. Yeah. Like I, I said, I think I'm
1: super excited for the quarterfinals for the
0: girls. Should be good, and for yeah. the dudes, I think semis will be good. Yeah, from that on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we will see. Uh, we will talk to you later. We'll post probably post- I don't think I don't know if we'll do a show before that. Maybe we'll see what happens. Um, thank you for listening. If you want to follow along? Where you're not listening? You can do so by liking us on Facebook facebook.com slash ncrpodcast. Follow us on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis. Send us emails, remaining at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and any other podcasting subscription service of your choosing. And you will get episodes automatically, which makes your life a lot easier. And you'll get a little push notification or a little red circle thing on your iPhone. And you'll be like, oh, new NCR. Great. Just what I needed today. Maybe you won't have that reaction, but we'd like it if you did. I hope It's
1: more excited than what Ben just did.
0: <laughs> I was trying to be like, ex- like contained excitement.
1: Yeah, because people are walking by, stiff you're upper like a lip. Little bit, you're, a li- you know. Yeah. Okay.
0: Anyway, uh, that's about it. Bob O'Reilly. Here we go.
1: Play us out. The Who. Who?
0: Who?